Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the first Business for Breakfast in its virtual setting. I'm so glad everybody's here today. I know it's been a really difficult and challenging season with this COVID-19 um, episodic um, virus that's going around. We're just, we're all just kind of doing our best to get through this time and uh, figure it out day to day and week to week and month to month. I know a lot of nonprofit organizations are still trying to, um, you know, take a glimpse at the weeks and days and months ahead and figure out what it's going to look like to reopen. So I'm so excited for today's uh, conversationalist, Susan Bowl, who's been the leader of the executive director of Oki 811. She's going to talk with us about what she's done in her organization to get through this uh, season, really kind of from start to finish. And uh, we'll uh, and I'm really looking forward to just unpacking that story with her because I think it's a um, her story is a really good um, example of what a lot of us have been going through. And so from her um, experience, I hope we'll all have an opportunity to to learn some things, laugh about some things, share in some things um, and just have an opportunity to um, um um, connect in this um, in a season that's been so hard for all of us and we're all trying to figure it out. I don't I really don't know of any other time in our history that we have been um, certainly not in my experience anyway where we have had to deal with anything even close to this nature. So I think that the more we can learn from each other um, and share our stories about each other just the better that's going to make us and the stronger we're going to get through this um, together as, as individuals and as organizations and honestly as a whole sector. So so um, if you're new to, to Zoom, I just want to share a few technical pieces with you as we get started so that you really feel comfortable in this environment. Um, um, at the bottom of your screen, if you joined on a computer, there's a little icon there at the bottom and there's a there's both a chat and a, a Q&A. And we're going to use both of those today to just engage you um, as, as participants. If you have something you want to say or a quick thought or a hello you want to shout out, use that uh, chat feature to um, uh, to, to share those things. You can even engage with each other on that chat feature. And then if you have a specific question for Susan, um, you can use chat, but we'll, we're going to be monitoring the Q&A uh, more closely for those questions. So if there's something you'd really like to ask um, as we're in the middle of a conversation, I would encourage you to use that. We have Sarah Jane Del Monte, who is our Director of Membership, and Cassie Pastor, who works in our Training and Education Department, who are here with us. They're going to be monitoring all of those and um, and um, and uh, helping us um, uh, make sure that your questions and thoughts get shared uh, on this platform. I see that Sarah Jane's already invited you to sh um, uh, um, say hello in the chat box. So please, uh, please do that. We find that um, it's really great to hear from you and um, uh, hear where you're from and um, maybe what you're dealing with at this time. So. Um, the other, the other piece of this that I just want you to, to know is we've given this an hour for our conversation. Um, we may not take that long, uh, but we'll try not to take more time than that, um, just to make sure everybody's good with our time. Um, so, but just wanted to let to, to let you all know that. And we will be posting the recording of this later on our, on our website. So if you missed it, or if you want to share it with someone else, uh, we'll make that link and um, um, recording available so that it can, so that the knowledge uh, that we share and the stories that we, um, that we um, share here can go and be shared other places as well. Cause um, as I said, the more that we can share in this, in our experiences in this, uh, in this um, time, I just think the better we are. So, so with that, Sarah, um, Susan, I think let's, um, I want to bring you in and uh, give you an opportunity to just share a little bit more about yourself. Susan, so Susan um, has been a really active participant in some of the, uh, in some of the uh, courses at the center. She's been, she's currently a member of our Compass group and she shared in that setting um, some of her deeper experiences about, um, uh, about putting together her health crisis plan, which uh, which which we're going to talk about, and it's it's from uh, so I, I you know I've had a little bit of a sneak peek into some of the insights that she's going to bring to this story. So so Susan, um, welcome. Thank. Why don't you bring? Uh, why don't you share with us a little? Just like just tell us a little bit more about you and especially about eight one one because not everybody may know um, what Oki eight one one does, and I think that'll help set us in a good context. Sure. Uh, hi everyone. Welcome. Um, yes, I'm in my office. This is OK811's office. We never really actually closed our offices. We did move probably 85% of our staff home. Um, 
there's a handful of people who are either really, really new and weren't ready to work independently or they didn't have internet at home. So I felt compelled to continue to come to the office and support them. And we have plenty of space. So we're able to social distance and we, you know, commonly sanitize shared spaces and things like that. So we have some provisions in place for all that. But I am the executive director here. I've been here almost seven years. Um, we are a 501c6 organization, which is slightly different from many of you all. Um, we are a membership organization and our members are the ones that fund our operations. So we don't actually have to go out and get donations or, or charitable uh, donations. We are funded by our member companies. But your member companies have a deep investment in this, right? Because it's in their best interest to be a member of OK811 because of your mission. Correct, correct, yes. Um, anyone that owns or operates an underground facility, whether it's a pipeline, uh, electric line, a telecom line, a sewer line, anyone that owns or operates underground facilities must be a member with OK811. And the purpose of that is for us to help them protect any damages, outages, or life of lo loss of life or injury around those underground facilities. Um, when you go out to dig, you're digging in the dark if you don't know where underground lines are. And by contacting 811, we in turn will notify the operators and then they will send out their locators to locate the lines so that you're not digging completely in the dark. You're able to at least know the proximity of where those underground facilities are. Um, we are... Oh, go ahead. So, I was going to say, so, so you, you know, you, you're, you're 811. I mean, just like 911 or 211, you're a, a call-in help service center to, that protects lives by knowing where to dig. And I think that your name used to be called before you dig. So some people may, may have known yeah. you under that old old branding. But oh, that's really got, important. I mean, I know I've, I've, I've dug in my backyard, like, you know, to plant a tree. And, I, you know, you get down a couple of feet and you're like, oh, is there going to be something down here? And you really, you know, you really do need to know if you're about to cut off you know, your internet or something. So, That's right. Yeah. And now it's even more important because everyone's working from home. And, you know, if your internet goes out, you can't work. Uh, if your plumbing gets backed up, you're, you know, you can't use your water in your, your sewer. So it's really important more now. I, can, I tell people it's more important now than ever to call 811 before you dig um, and wait the appropriate time to get those lines located. We have about 1,380 member companies. So they're, you know, we're talking municipalities, cities, counties, um, including, you know, the telecom companies, the electric companies, the gas companies are all a part of OK811. Um, we have an, an eight-person board. So we're just like a charitable nonprofit in that sense. We have a board. Um, we have eight people on the board that represent those larger underground facility operators, um, including ONG, Cox, AT&T, and so forth. Um, we have about 62 employees right now. We actually have three vacancies that we're kind of holding off filling until we kind of get back to somewhat of a normal operation. Um, so 62 employees, that's a lot. I mean, are, are most of those, are, are most of those um, uh, on the phones and taking those calls? Is that, is that the bulk of it? Yeah, I mean, think of it like a, a call center. We, we, we have a call center where I call it a contact center because now we take tickets over the internet and via our app. So, um, you know, we process all those inbound locate requests. We process on average right now, we're getting close to a million inbound locate requests a year. A million? Um, a million, yep. We're getting That's very close to that. My goal is to hit it this year. If <laughs> I don't know, COVID-19 may keep us from that. But, and, that's, um, and, and so that's across the whole state. I mean, you guys are, you guys are in Guyman and Hugo and every place that you have to dig underground. They're, they're supposed to call you first and check out and see if there's any land. And so that's landscaping companies, mm -hmm. construction crews, gardeners like me, you know, everybody yep. is supposed yep. to call up there. Yep. All over the state. Well, yeah, no wonder right. a million. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, um, and think about it for each each request we get to locate lines, um, those million inbound locate requests that people are calling and saying, I need to get my lines located, we're on average sending out six locate notices to the underground operators. So um, on average, we're contacting six facility operators that are gonna send out their locators to locate your lines. So think about all the different lines that may be in your yard. You may have a, an electric line underground, a telecom line underground, a gas line underground. So 
they're going to come out and mark in each company marks their lines. So, so it's not like you have a map that you can just be like, Oh yes, you're going to dig in this location. Let me access this by satellite and tell you if it's safe to dig. You have to like, you actually have to send someone out, let them mark the ground of where it's safe to get to dig and then they can go. So there's a lot of manual pieces that have to go into place with each call. <clears throat> from the, from that side of it, um, on, on the back end of it, where they're coming out to locate, it's, it's semi, it's somewhat manual. When an underground facility operator puts a line in the ground and they register it with us, we put it in our GIS system. And then when you call in your locate requests, we draw the area around where you're going to dig. It bounces against that, um, that GIS system and says, oh, here's who all has underground lines in that area that you're going to uh. dig. In. So we have a lot of back office technology taking place there where it's, going and checking who has facilities there. So you do have an idea of where the map is and like who maybe has a line in that area. Yes, and, yes. we and just it, can't tell you exactly in that area. It's going to be a 12, tw uh, 24 inches either side of wherever that line is drawn yeah. or that, that flag is placed. So it's no wonder with all of that activity and importance across the state that you all didn't close in this. I mean, I, I can't imagine you backing off of these services at a time when people are digging in their yards more than ever, as you said, you know, that there's... Um, uh, a, a lot of the uh, construction companies in Oklahoma were still considered essential businesses, so they stayed open when other businesses closed. So um, I can see why it would be so important for you all to keep up operations, especially so in this difficult time. So, um, so what? So I, I, you know, I know in the early days of, the, of this of this COVID nineteen virus, um, that awareness had to have come to you as um, as a leader of the organization. Um, let's talk a little bit about those early days. I mean, what was it in those kind of first moments of COVID-19 as it started to hit the news and like, you know, mid-February sort of in, in, you know, end of February sort of when it kind of at least hit my radar and that maybe hit other people's radar a little, a little earlier than that. But um, what were some of those early conversations like for you as you thought about like the impact this may have on your employees and on the mission that you have to our state? Right. You know, I, um, the team here, okay, when we're always thinking safety first and what do we need to do to protect the public, um, okay, when was, was named an essential service in Oklahoma. So we knew, I knew before we were even named an essential service that we couldn't close the doors or, or halt her business. Um, so when, I think the first indication I had was when those cruise ships started coming back into America and people mm. were you know, had this virus that was coming from China and different places. And I started thinking, wow, this is not good, you know, and I'm sure everybody was hearing the hyped up media around all of it. So my first thought was, I got to put my employees' minds at rest. I got to try to ease their concern about what does this mean to them and their employment? Because that's the first thing people start thinking is, what 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 happens to me? What happens to my, my livelihood and so forth? So I immediately, my first thing out of the shoot was I think I went back and looked it was May 2nd or March 2nd I sent an email to all the staff saying you know let's all just take a deep breath watch CDC's website don't listen to all this hyped up news that's going on right now and um, I'll put together a plan for you so I, I immediately said I'm gonna put together a plan and so as soon as I shot that email off I, I gotta put together a plan now I just told them I put together a plan <laughs> <laughs> I said I was going to do it. Now I really have to. <laughs> <laughs> Shot myself in the foot. But, <laughs> but, but I did. I, I mean, I specifically was thinking around how are we going to communicate with each other? Um, what, what do we need to do about our employees' needs? What do we need to do about travel? What do we need to do about remote work? And all the things that I was questioning, I know they were questioning. So we got to get the answers out there as quick as we can. So I met with my leadership team which are two direct reports. Um, and I started saying, we got to put together a plan. Mm -hmm. They're like, why? This is no big deal. And I said, it could be a big deal. It's not right now. And it may not be, but we got to put something in place if it turns into a big deal. So and I, love, I just want to pause. Using it. I really, I'm, I'm loving a couple of things here. Cause I'm really loving that you like um, that you, you know, your first motivation was your staff and your employees and just, you know, 
thinking about what they needed to hear and knowing that knowing that we all do better when they're when in times of uncertainty when there's a plan in front of us so if if we're going to be in an uncertain time and there's already a little bit of that in the atmosphere then and that a plan is going to be needed um and you were thinking about them and the and the the strategy that they're going to be needing to feel you know to, to to feel comfortable with and use that to um which means you were kind of using yourself and your own intuition as a barometer, yeah, um, yeah. you know, for for what was needed in in your organization, and um, uh, and I, I just I, I want to name that because I think that's a really interesting skill, right, to have is to think about like my intuition and and my knowledge of my system and my people as a barometer for what's needed in this, and and to be dialed in enough and sensitive enough um, to to be aware of their uncertainty and right and to have a little empathy with that and to think about yeah. what can you do as a leader to help ease that during this time so yeah um and you know it, it it's kind of hard to to put that shoe on and put that hat on to say we got to now put together some kind of plan to respond to things if they if someone shows up to work with COVID 19 what do we do if someone kids get pulled out of school and they can't come to work what do we do we're thinking about all those what ifs well before the uh, FFCRA came out we were like you know what, what do we do about this what do we do about that what do we do about people's leave do we pay them if they need to be off and um so the fun, we, we we try to have some fun with it too so we call I, I immediately called it the crisis response plan the CRP plan and you know how everybody wants to turn everything into an acronym so one of my direct reports said oh the crap plan I said, there's no A in there. And they said, no, it's silent. It's just a crap plan. <laughs> I said, well, okay, let's go to the next step. We'll call it the OK811 health response plan. And so we call it the oh crap plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of had some fun with it too. So it's kind of fun to call it the oh crap plan because it really is oh crap. What do we do now? <laughs> That's right. And I really think all of us need to, need our own version of the oh crap plan, <laughs> right? Like, what do we do, right? This is <laughs> this really the world really is going down a toilet. So what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so I love that you all found some humor in it too, and then you just ran with it. So yeah, yeah the oh the oh crap plan. So so is that so is is that it's the like official name? Oh, yeah. in, like in yeah. the in the books. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just call it the acronym now. I don't actually go around saying oh let's do the oh crap plan. Pull out the oh crap plan. O H C R P plan. <laughs> Keep a little bit of decorum about it. Yeah, really. <laughs> as you go public, especially with the board and the right. <laughs> No, it's good, right? You can have like like the public face and then like you know the the internal face, the internal use. Yeah. So 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 you were you know you so you were saying about how you took this in, initially to your leadership team um, there at, in 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 your work and 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 said you know hey we need to write this plan and they were like why do we need to write this plan so. Tell me more. Let, let's talk about that story because you know, in, in that kind of a scenario, you've got the executive director, you know, you with some vision about like, like what we need to be working on, and and, you, and you've got maybe t you know your staff or your team that doesn't see see it with as much urgency or maybe see it the same way as you do. So, um, how did you get them on board with um, helping to write this plan and and, and get it going? Well, I kind of downplayed it a little bit because in my mind, I was you know. I, I kind of was going to the extreme because one of the things I have in my background is uh, in risk management. I've spent four years in risk management in the claims department and um, dealing with all the, the data around that. And I was thinking, well, okay, I'm getting extreme here in my head of what all the different possibilities and scenarios are that could happen here with employees not or coming to work and infecting others and you know, we're having to stay home with their kids and not being able to come to work and, you know, all the different scenarios that I was playing out in my head. And um, then I was hitting this interesting dynamic with my team saying, it's not that big a deal. What, why are you making this? It's so extreme. And I said, okay, let's just say we're going to put together uh, a response plan for anything. It doesn't have to be COVID-19 related, but we're just going to have this response plan that we'll pull out anytime we need it. So let's think of it more as a general response plan to any kind of crisis that might come along. And so when we started thinking about it through those lenses, it became less hyped up and, you know, a little less, you know, 
directed specifically, but then it was also, this is something we could use longer term if we needed to later type thing. So, mm -hmm. so, so it's kind of like, you know, maybe we won't need it right now, but we might need it someday. So let's just use this opportunity to maybe get ready for the thing that might come. So you're like, <laughs> like you're like trying to like not make them anxious, but also like help them feel the importance of it at the same right. time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. So, 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 so. I mean, did did that help? Did that approach help um, help with them? Because, because it, it also, in some ways, that that approach shows you as 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 a non anxious leader, right? You're like, hey, I am. You know, you're. I'm kind of with you. Maybe we don't need it, and that'd be best case scenario. But in case we do. Let's go ahead and do this. So, I mean, so did that help? I mean, I realize I'm kind of over-dramatizing. That's not the way you said it with your team. You're much, you're much more savvy than that. Um, but, but did that help with them to have that kind of alliance, like, with that? And then maybe say, okay, but then, but, but then they also got, got your points. So did that, did that help? Yes, it, it helped. Um, it, was, it, it was still a little challenging in the discussions that we were having because, I was taking them through a lot of what if scenarios that nobody wanted to think about. You know, what if someone died from COVID-19? What if someone on our staff had a parent that died from, you know, all the different scenarios that we were walking through. And even down to the point of, you know, we're talking about paying people leave if they're affected. Us paying them leave, not the FFCRA. This was before all that came out. Us paying them leave. And I said, my my concern there is we may have some employees that say, hey, I want some free leave. You know, why, why can't I take off and um, be off for the for a little while and get some leave that I didn't accrue? Or, and so I started down, down that path of what if we have employees that want to take leave that, you know, we don't we don't want everybody just up and taking leave because we're offering it in this. You also have to think for like people that might have used the. You know, right. Abuse. And, right. and I, you don't ever want to think that about your team or anybody, right. but it's part of the process of putting a plan together is thinking through all the different possible scenarios mm -hmm. and in having those discussions about what if someone tries to take advantage of the system we're putting in place. Um, it was hard because, you, you know, you need to give our people more credit than that. I'm like, it's not about our people. It's about being uh, putting a plan together to prepare if we ever hit that scenario, it's not, I'm not directing this at any particular person or group of people. It's just going through the process and trying to, I think once they realized it was a process we were going through, it wasn't a, an indication of pointing the finger at any one or two people or even a group of people. It was more, we need to go through this and discuss it and, and identify the what ifs so that we can be prepared to respond if they happen. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's really smart. So, so, um, so, so when you went to actually start writing it, like, I mean, you had to think through all those scenarios. So that's a, and I, I've read your plan, so I, I know the attention to some of that to the detail that you had to give it, and that's, that's no small thing to try to play out in your mind or in your or in your team's mind, all the things that might need to happen. And, and, and I know you had to think about work from home for 60 employees and how do you move a call center, um, you know, to a remote location. <clears throat> and then there's just the employee benefits that go with that. Like, as you said, like, what if somebody needs, needs bereavement leave or paid time off because they have to care for a sick person. So you have a lot of things that you're thinking through. How did you, how did you even begin to start to break all that down and, 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 and tackle those, those scenarios? Actually, I, I think that was probably the hardest part is putting it on paper, writing it down and, and formulating it in a way that it becomes a plan that helps everyone understand what, what, what they need, what, you know, the whole purpose of the plan is to communicate and, and alleviate people's anxiety, to have a, a guideline that they can follow, um, some provisions that they can understand. And so that was the hardest part was sitting down and putting it on paper because you, you've read it through all this stuff. And so I spent a good probably day and a half just documenting and then formulating the, the words into more of a, a response plan. Here's what we're going to do if this type of situation happens. Here's what we're going to do if this type of situation happens. Here's how we're going to uh, you know, approve leave if we need to, if employees need to have time off to uh, to address any kind of COVID-19 related issues. 
So that was that was probably the hardest part is documenting it into a actual plan. So it says, I mean, so it sounds like you just kind of, I mean, you didn't use the word, but you know, you know, you really just kind of locked yourself in a room for a day and a half and just organized your own thinking. Yeah. Um, which is which is really important because again, you're going back to that self as barometer, um, and 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 thinking about you using your own knowledge of your organization to help think through those through those scenarios. So, so, so did you draft the, you know, did you, um, were you the primary author in, in drafting the, the skeleton of the plan or the initial um, draft of the plan? Did you have other people help you with that? And what was that process like? Well, I would say I was the one that put it in on paper. I wouldn't say I was the <clears throat> only mind, mind involved because Angie and Gerald, my direct reports were very much involved in, formulating how we were going to respond to things and helping identify the processes that we were all thinking in our heads. Um, so yeah, but I, I put this, this skeleton of the, the form together and it has completely evolved since the early March because of FFCRA coming out and, you know, all the other things that we had to incorporate into, um, into the plan. And I put the very top paragraph when I wrote it, I said, this will be an evolving document. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not set in stone right today. It will be evolving and, you know, we need to continuously visit it mm-hmm. um, to make sure we're keeping it current and with mm-hmm. the current stuff that's happening. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a lot of input on the front end of the process, using the resources of your of your senior leaders to help you think through some of those things. And then, and then you wrote that down and, and gave some voice to it, some words to it, um, some shape to it. But, um, and then, and then I love that you wove into the expectations, right? That very first paragraph that this is going to be flexible. Like, you know, this isn't set in stone. This is going to be flexible. And, um, and I think if you're going to have a crisis plan, um, that's, that has to be an essential part of it, of the calculations is the ability to, uh, to remain nimble and flexible with that, especially, especially at the time that you were writing, because we really didn't know at that point, um, what was going to unfold. I mean, at the point you're writing this, this, the, 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 excuse me, the Thunder game hadn't, hadn't been canceled yet. You know, (laughs) um, our world hadn't turned upside down yet, you know, so you're really doing all this work at a time when, when, when information was flowing um, quickly and changing daily. So it is really hard to operate under, under some of those conditions and, 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 um, and wise, I think, to weave into that the expectation that we will have to be flexible together as we work through this plan if we have to use it. Yeah, I can tell you, um, it was kind of comforting to a certain degree to have our plan even though it was still evolving, to have a formulated plan before the evening of March 12th, which is when the Thunder game stopped the world of NBA basketball. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it was comforting because we had, we knew what we were going to respond with. And I mean, from the time that happened on March 12th, everything started shutting down. Mm -hmm. Everybody was told, move your employees home. Um, and we were already doing that. We were already prepared and ready. And um, but so, I, I hate that our I hate that our state's known as the state that stopped NBA basketball. Know, right? And even worse, I hate that we're known for Tiger King. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There you have it. <laughs> you know that we can say more. About all this. That. That's all you can say. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so I love it. So it's interesting that, you know, just having a plan and having that plan in place, as you said, w- w- provided such comfort. Even if you were going to have to adjust the plan, just having that plan, knowing that there is one, uh, knowing that there's something at least to respond to or react to uh, or adjust, you know, or adjust, like you're not starting from scratch. So, right. you, I mean, do you feel like that plan gave the employees the comfort that they you wanted it to have did it and, and it did it did it give you the guidance that you were looking for um as a as the leader because in some ways you'd already said you'd already shaped for them their expectations of you and your expectations of them if we were to go through this scenario so you're not renegotiating all of those um um, psychologies and and relationship aspects um as you go through i'm just wondering if like it, it did it do you feel like it did those things um, that you needed it to do when you had it? 
I feel like it did that in, in a little bit more, um, especially with the extended management team um, beyond my direct reports that we have another layer of management staff that handle the day-to-day -day stuff. And um, when I went through the plan with them, it was, oh, you could just see over their face, it was like, thank you. This is great. This is awesome. Um, this is wonderful. Thank you for thinking through this. And and it gave them, it, it created a level of trust, I think, that mm -hmm. I didn't expect and that was kind of unforeseen. Like they, they, they trust that I'm going to look out for them and they trust that we're going to put the employees first in, in this crisis mm -hmm. and, and make sure that we're taking care of people and reiterating the fact that um, I'm, I'm able to reassure you that you're going to still get paid and you're still going to have a job and we are an essential service and just hearing the words coming out of my mouth simple enough was just putting people's minds at rest and ease and I've been doing a weekly communication with all the staff every week um, since this started just continuously reassuring our employees that you know I'm here for you we're here for the long haul and your job's not going anywhere right now and you know if, if something were of concern I could let them know that Oki 811 hosts live webinars every other Wednesday at 2 p.m. local time. These webinars cover a wide range of safety topics for both members and excavators. If you attend our live webinar, you will receive a certificate of attendance. And if you aren't able to attend the live webinar, register anyhow to receive a recording of the webinar the following day. To check out our webinar schedule, go to the Education Events page on our website, oki811.org. If you have questions or suggestions for topics for future webinars, please contact us at education at oki811.org. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, there's the plan in place, but then there's the how do you use it and how do you communicate? And, and you found... Um, some rhythm and weekly in weekly emails um, with your team. Um, what were the, what are some um, you know? I, I also know you've also had a lot of fun with your staff too. Right? They've also put into 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 play some other things as well that just help people keep people stay engaged. So so talk about how you've worked to help keep morale up and help keep communication going as you've had to make really major adjustments um and relocate your i mean all the things we've had to do but just um, um you've really had to make a lot of major adjustments um in your well I, I can't do that first i can't take personal credit for all of it because i have an awesome team here and a great um management staff that help make sure that we're continuously engaging employees and um they're having you know weekly monthly um, team meetings with their staff still virtually and so that's helped, I think, to continue that, continue that engagement. But we've also incorporated some fun. Um, I shared in the last Compass Group meeting that we started doing Tuesday bingo during the month of April. And we do four games of virtual bingo on every Tuesday. And the winner gets a $25 um, gift, um, cash gift. So, um, so, yeah, so talk to us about how bingo in a virtual environment works, like, and how, like, how does that go? Yeah, we actually, we, we have Office, uh, Microsoft Office uh, 365 here in, in our office, and so part of that suite has Teams in it, and so yep. Teams is a collaboration tool we use. You can use Yammer or any of the other collaboration tools to, to play the virtual bingo, but um, you set up a, um, virtual cards, and you have one person kind of administer if someone says, I want to play bingo, they issue them a virtual bingo card. And um, everybody who wants to play gets a card. And then she, in turn, uses this automated web, this website that has this bingo caller, um, randomizer bingo caller. And she calls the numbers out and just puts them in the, the communication in Teams and says, oh, 65, B13 or whatever. And people are marking off their cards while they're still working because our contact center staff can't stop taking locator files. So, right, right. So she, she doesn't call them really fast. She calls them, you know, every minute or so. And um, so they have time to look and see. And they, if they miss some, they can go back and look down the list of what numbers have been called previously. And so 
while all that's going on, people are sending gifts to each other and doing memes and different things and yeah. uh, just it's like it's like it, 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 it's like twenty minutes of fun. Like we're just giving oh, you permission totally. to have like a few minutes of fun totally. while you're getting your work totally. done. Yes, totally. And <laughs> and we get so much good feedback about wow, this has really helped break up my day or. I feel more involved in, in the team and the rest of the people who are working from home. So I'm not out here all alone. And so it's really uh, been a great tool for just that, you know, fun aspect of people working in, you know, 60 different places coming yeah. together for 20 minutes, four times a day to play bingo. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the things that that's, that's been the hardest about uh, working remotely and in an isolation from one another is we don't have those, we don't have those fun quick encounters with each other that you might get when you're walking by somebody's desk on your way to the restroom or the, you know, the, uh, the quick exchange, just, we don't have those kind of personal moments that we get when we're in an office environment. And so you have to manufacture that in some other way. Um, and I love that bingo is like brought you all together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now that this last Tuesday was the last, Tuesday of April and so everybody's like are we going to continue doing this this was really fun and I said well maybe we can continue it without the cash prizes but yeah we can continue it. <laughs> yeah, so, so, the, so they want to keep doing it even if we come back into the office right like they want to keep probably I, I haven't really <laughs> broached that but yeah I mean it's going to be a while before everybody gets moved back to the office anyway we just put together our move back plan and um, we're going to do it in phases anyway so it'll be a while before we Mm-hmm. attempt to get everybody back in the office well let, let's let's talk about that some a little bit too because you know um you know in, in some ways you're also still now thinking a little ahead of the curve you know i, I know that that trump has rolled out his three-phase phase plan for the nation and we've got um stit um rolling out a similar plan here for oklahoma and and, and everybody started to think about what does it look like to return to the office um like you you know a, a lot of nonprofit organizations never closed so to say we're reopening doesn't isn't really quite the right name for it mm-hmm. we're just we're just going to you know, transition more back into the office environment or, and, and, and that may look different than it, um, than it did before COVID-19. So we're also trying to figure out what all those new parameters are going to look like. Mm -hmm. So, so how are you, so let's, let's talk, I mean, what what is that going to look like for you all and how have you started to um, give some thinking to that? Well, of course the whole separation thing is first and foremost, how do we stay separated at least six feet apart in the same building and using the same kitchen and the same bathrooms and and that kind of thing. Um, in our contact center floor, it's cubicles, just lines of cubicles all throughout, and there's short cubicles so you can see out across the contact center floor. Mm-hmm. So You've got I, a lot of open air area. Open area, open yeah. area. They, they're not real super close to each other, but there is open. And so I was like, we got to create some dividers. So um, I engaged a cubicle guy yesterday and he's ordered some plexiglass type material that we're going to install in between the cubicles facing each other. Um, It's clear plexiglass so you can see through it still. So you'll still be able to see out across the floor but there'll be a divider there between the two people who are facing each other. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes it like, you know, kind of like what they have in some checkout places and stores right now. Like they've right, hung right. a piece of fiberglass in front of the uh, in, in front of the checkout person so that as you're they're scanning that you know you're not breathing right. So yeah. Whenever I, when we were talking about that leadership team, you know, it's a little bit of a pricey investment to to put that in because you have to have brackets to hold it in place. And um, we we're like you know, is it worth the investment? And we said, we, we don't have a choice. We have to do it. And long term, what it's not going to hurt to keep that divide up to just with flu and strep throat and all the other things that sh- spread across different areas. Just yeah. that divider can be used long term. It doesn't have to be a one time thing. So it's going to pay for itself. Yeah. So in some ways, you know, I think you're right. I think we're, you know, this COVID-19 um, is enforcing some better health habits for all of us for things like cold season and flu season. So, so some of the, 
hardware that goes in or the or the or the protocols we institute like hand washing and social distancing and stay home if you're sick I mean, we've always said that before with our employees stay home if you're sick but um but that doesn't mean we really enforced it real well you know that person right. who showed up in the office like, you know still a little sick and we're like oh okay you're probably fine you know like some of those some of those um some of those, some of the leniencies, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe some of the leniencies that we um, offered before, we're going to be a little bit more rigid about and enforce in some new ways. So, mm-hmm. so that's getting, you know, represented in your environment with some hardware that's going in. Mm-hmm. So you're already thinking about like, what does safety look like for your employees when they return? So, 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 so does that mean everybody's going to be able to come back to work at once or, or is there going to be, or is, is there going to have to be a staggering um, yeah. place? Um, what we kind of decided was we would make it a self-selection. Mm. So those that are working from home now could self-select. Do I, am I ready to return to the office? Do I want to return to the office? Is it necessary that I, that I return to the office for one reason or another? Um, so there, first off, we said, at this time, you can self-select. Unless we tell you you have to come back to the office, it's a self-selection. So... Um, we're going to do three at a time, three, up to three people can move back at a time. And then we're going to divide that with up to two weeks in between the next three that can move back. So with, you know, close to 50 people working from home, not all of them will return because a lot of our CS, probably 28 to 30 of our CSRs work from home to begin with, and they'll stay working from home. But the others that want to move back, it'll be a, it'll be a, a period of time before, we move them all back. And at any point, just like Governor Stent and, and everyone else is saying, if this crisis hits again and the numbers go up, right, we're push you back home. So, yeah. yeah. So we have to be ready for that. Yeah. So I, I noticed in, in, in your re-engagement plan that uh, um, as I was reading through it this morning, that there was a, that there was a, a line in there that said something like, um, if you choose to come to work, um, come to work or, you know, work, work in the office. But if you choose to work from home, work from home, there's no back and forth, right? You're either all in on one environment or all in the other. What was the, and I thought that was an interesting, um, an interesting perimeter to put up. What was your thinking around kind of creating those hard lines um, around either in the office or, or, or working from home? That's a good question. We actually, I got that question from my leadership team too. Like, why, do we <laughs> like, what? <laughs> why can't we just choose Monday, Tuesday, we want to work from the office, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we want to work from home. Um, yeah. Cause they may be balancing childcare. They may, you know, right. they may, there may, there may be legitimate reasons why a bit more flexibility back and forth right. would make sense to somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, I look at it like this. I'm protecting all employees, not just that one that's coming back to the office. So I got to protect the ones that are already here too. And when we moved people home, we said, you're moving home a hundred percent. You're not coming back and forth. So when we move you back, you're moving back a hundred percent. You're not going back and forth. And that I think is just a, a, a mitigating factor to lessen any type of exposure that might happen, but also, just enable a, a, a more just sure place of business. Everybody knows for sure these are the people working in the office. Those are the people working from home. And it's not this back and forth, at least for now. Once all this alleviates and lets up and we know we're, we're good to go and everything's safe again, we want to offer some of that flexibility of working from home some and working from the office some. But right now it's one or the others. I lo- that's so interesting that you find – um, that right now, while things are still uncertain, that you need to create a sense of certainty, right? Yeah. So that so that all you know, 100% in or 100% from home, that really um, that really uh, um, alleviates the need um, the the need to continue to negotiate, right? Like, what is it going to look like this week, or what's it going to look like today with you as my employee or the person I'm supervising? So it just creates a sense of certainty. In a time it's uncertain, once things become more flexible, or 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 the the environment has has opened up again, then we can then we can you know bring in a bit more uncertainty into our work environment. Right now, <laughs> right? like you know, who's working from home this week, um, right? What does that flexibility look like? But for right now, um, you need to create. You still need to create a sense of certainty within within your your office environment. And safety, because with that certainty also comes a sense of safety, too. I know who's in the office. I know who's working from home. And that's really important 
for you as a manager, for as a leader, but also for your employees too, because they know psychologically what to expect. Right, right. That's a good way to think about it and a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, th- well, thanks. I just, I just rephrased what you said. So um, I think that's really smart. I like the way you said it better though. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, speaking of saying things really well, um, you know, you and I were talking before we got on to this, uh, this, this um, uh, interview today that you used a resource to, that you thought was really well crafted to send a survey to your staff um, to get their, temp- you know, to kind of uh, um, I was going to say take their temperature, but that's not even a funny joke. No, it's not a joke anymore. That's not a metaphor right now. Um, yeah, so so you used a, a survey um, um, to to survey your staff. Tell me about, like, talk a little bit about this the survey that you sent out to your staff and, and the company that you used. That's, um, and I think I'll go find it and I'll drop it in the chat so people can. Uh, yeah, it's, it. it seems to be a pretty Good free. It's a free resource. Um, Gerald, the director of operations, actually found it, uh, came across it, and shot it over to um, Angie and I. And Angie's over our HR department, and um, we started looking at it. I said, okay, this can't be free. They're going to want something. They'll probably do the survey for free and then charge us for the results. Mm. And um, we researched it and looked at it and said, no, I think it's free. And so Angie, the H, the, the director of our HR area, she ended up getting it put together on Tuesday and they take care of all of it. They send the link out to the survey, um, to the employees, the employees have three days to respond to the survey. It's a quick two minute free survey. Um, as soon as they fill out the survey, we start getting the results immediately. And the last question of the survey is kind of open-ended so employees can give you feedback. Mm-hmm. And we see that immediately too. So we're seeing the results of the survey as people are completing it. About 63% of our employees have completed the survey so far. They have till tomorrow. And then we'll get all the survey results back. It's a, and it's Implify is the name of the, the survey company. I think it's probably a way for them to get their foot in your door and maybe sell you some stuff later. But right now it's a two minute free survey that you can yeah, so I and opened up your employees and kind of gauge how their well-being is. Yeah, so, so I, I just opened up their webpage for everybody who's listening. I, I, and I did uh, drop it in the chat so you have access uh, to their to, to, to that website. So it, their homepage says they're a data-driven employee engagement improvement company. Um, and they're launching a tool to help business leaders and managers gauge the well-being, remote readiness, and specific needs of their teams as a result of the global COVID-19 outbreak. So, I mean, that's a lot to get out of a quick survey. Um, yeah. Well-being, remote readiness, and specific needs of their teams in a quick two-minute survey. So, uh, and, I, and I think a lot of us would love to know what our teams are thinking, our staff mm-hmm. are thinking about how are they feeling? Are they anxious? Are they nervous? Are they ready to re-engage? Um, are they feeling isolated? Are they feeling connected? Um, and um, and the and and are you ready to come back to the office? Like like what is that? Um, uh, what's your um, sense around that? Um, so how so so that's a lot to get into a, a quick survey, and and you feel like you're you've gotten so it's nice that they've got something really effective, mm-hmm. and and also free. Yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, and it's and it, it's a survey. The questions um, gauge around your sense of um, well-being at work, as well as your sense of well-being in general at home with all the other crisis stuff that you're dealing with at home. So, you know, you get a sense of what your employees are dealing with inside of work and outside of work. That's wonderful. So without, I don't want you to break any confidences or, or certainly share anything that you're not ready to be, haven't really processed. Because as you said, you know, data is coming in all the time right now because your survey's um, active. Um, but I, I'm curious about what are some of the things, some, some of your awarenesses as, that, that have come to you as the executive director, as you've seen some of these responses come in, like what are some of the, the things you're taking away from the, from the, um, from, from, from the results all, all, already? Well, I just, I glanced at them quickly yesterday during our uh, leadership check-in meeting and um, there's, it's still preliminary, but a lot of good feedback around, I feel a sense of um, comfort with my work. I I feel secure. I feel confident um, in, I like the weekly, um, we are family emails that 
are coming. Don't stop that. You know, really good feedback on that side. So, so, so they're telling you that the things you're doing are working, right? Yeah, like, and that, that's specific. good. That's really good um, yeah. affirmations that we're going down the right trail there. But then you see the personal side of things that they they may be continuing with at home, which it concerns you. But you're like, as an employer, how much of that can I affect mm-hmm. or help with? Yeah. But you at least know what that people are continuing with some personal issues and things that they're dealing with. Yeah, and and that lets you be thoughtful and have a little empathy for their discomfort. Right. right? You may not be able to fix what they're dealing with at home or the worries or concerns that they're carrying as they care for children and family and, and their own sense of security or spouses that may have lost jobs. I mean, I'm sure that your your employees have are a great um, you know, test case for a lot of the things that are happening to our population across the state. So you can't, you know, you can't control that, all of that, but you can at least have some empathy with their discomfort yeah. and, 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 and know that it's there, right? So you yeah. at least ask to hear about it, which, um, which, um, which is also good listening, um, as an executive to at least know what they're saying and give them an opportunity to voice that. So, so that's going to be interesting. How do you think you're going to use some of the data? Do you have an idea about that as you think about this re-engagement strategy? I haven't thought that far down the road yet. I'm just trying to stay on the back, on the front end of this and trying to plan ahead. I haven't thought that far ahead. On yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, right? Like, right, that's your three o'clock today. Is to think yeah, really. About how, do you, how do you use all this information? Uh, I, I, the intent, really, the intent behind even asking is just to get a sense of of areas of opportunity. I always look at surveys as where is our opportunity? Where where can we help with things? What can we do differently to make things better? Process improvements. So anytime I we do a survey, it's always about what can we do better, differently new whatever we need to be looking at so mm-hmm. with this survey we'll do the same thing we say is there any areas of opportunity that we need to be looking at considering thinking about um areas of improvement that we need to be making yeah so you're kind of using the survey to to test your the gaps in your own thinking right so again you're going back to that leader as barometer so you know yeah, you're aware true. that right that you may not have the whole mental map in your mind so you're going to use that survey to help kind of test where those gaps might be and and your leadership team too i mean i I really i love that you've referenced your leadership team several times in this and how important they've been to you um um, to help support and guide and and bounce ideas off with and and also bring you uh, bring more resources um and uh, and you listen to that like i'm sure that as a leader and and only susan i I know because i know you i'm sure that when somebody brought you a bingo game it's like hey this bingo game will be a great you know and you're like what (laughs) right like tell me how this is gonna work right you know you do know me very well i was like no no we're gonna play bingo we gotta do work we gotta get to work there's no there's no fun in baseball um yeah, so, um, which is the, uh, you know, twist on the, there's no crying baseball. I'm getting better, though. I'm yeah, better. I know you, I know you are, you're really working on it. So, so, so but you have to kind of listen to the wisdom of your team in order to hear that they may be bringing voices and perspectives that just because they don't resonate with your own thinking or intuition doesn't mean that they're not valuable and really important. So you, you allowed for those to be brought in. And as it turned out, you know, it worked. Um, those, oh, yeah. those were really good ideas to implement. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a, I have a fabulous leadership team and management team um, overall we 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 really complement each other and and bring different ideas and ways of thinking and different aspects of things that help me balance me because I can be pretty extreme and um, it's helped me temper my extremity with I got to see and hear other sides of things and incorporate that into what we need to be doing and it's really helped me grow as a leader. That's wonderful. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for just being vulnerable about that. Because I think sometimes as leaders, it's hard for us to admit that there are um, needs that we might have to be balanced. So thank you for mm-hmm. mentioning that. I think, but I think we all do, right? We, we all do. So yeah. I, yeah, that's right. This is, this might be a good time to see if there are any questions or, um, um, or, or comments that the people who've been listening in on this conversation would like to offer uh, while we've still got a few more minutes of Susan's time. So uh, we'll give everybody a minute to write in the chat or in the Q&A if they've got something they wanna, uh, th- that they want to share. Great. 
So uh, maybe while we're waiting for those to come in, Susan, uh, uh, one question, one more question that's on my mind anyway is, you know, you mentioned that maybe some flexibility might open up after we get through this a little bit, you know, some more flexibility for your workers to work from home or work remotely. Um, you don't have to have a full picture around that, but, but why, I think what I'm curious about is, why do you want to entertain even that question? Like, why not just bring everybody back into the office and say, hey, the crisis is over, get back to work. Um, go, you know, <laughs> we've, we've put in new safety protocol and new screens. Um, um, why, why are you entertaining the idea that maybe someday we might entertain flexibility with our employees? So they might have that choice maybe of working some remotely and some in the office. Right. Um you know, this has thrust us all into learning new ways of work and and new, new putting new lenses over our eyes and looking at things differently uh, that we didn't even know we were going to have to do and we've been forced to do it now. And, and now that we're in it and we've been doing it for over eight weeks and letting people work from home and, it, and there's the work still getting done. The projects are still taking place. The meetings are still taking place. Everything's still happening just because we're not under the same roof. Doesn't mean that stopped. Um, so looking at like, you know, this could work. We could allow some flexibility. People like to have some ability to, to be, you know, able to work from home, some work from the office, some, and I, and even if we have someone that wants to work home, full time, we should be able to look and see about doing that down the road if it makes sense for mm -hmm. that particular department and, and the work that they do. And it just has given us a new lens to look through to say, what we have opportunities here that we may not have known about before. And so now you might get a really good employee who wants to work remote because of whatever situation and you now have the opportunity to get that employee and that talent and those thoughts, you know, that skill but um, accommodate their their interest in working remotely. Right. So it really comes back to it really comes back to employees and employee satisfaction and what it looks like to be an employer that has a happy happy people. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. I love. I'm going to be interested to hear how that goes um, in the in the months ahead and. Oh. Um, and what ends up settling down and then and the new processes and policies you're going to put into place. I think it's going to be a really interesting, uh, it's an interesting season and time for all of us, but um, and especially in your work, uh, work environment. And, um, and thank you for being just so transparent today with all of that process, because we can learn from your story and um, hear uh, from our own, you know, and, and use it to reflect our, on our own experiences as we think about what this is going to look like in our own agencies. So I, yeah. I really appreciate that. So yeah. let me check in with Sarah Jane and Cassie, you've been monitoring our chats and um, 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 questions. Do we, are we seeing anything come in? What do you guys think? Yeah, I didn't see any questions coming as of yet. Okay, yeah, it's like nothing yet in the chat. Okay, so we're all riveted. Um, do you guys have any questions, or Sarah Jane or Cassie, since you guys are on? Anything, um, anything that comes to your mind? I don't want to necessarily put you on the spot, but this is a good opportunity to just open up the floor a little bit. I don't. This has been really great. Okay, great. Okay, good. Well, Susan, do you have any other thing you would like to leave? I, I, maybe the question, maybe the a place to leave it would be if you, you know, if you could give some advice or counsel to other executive directors out there who may be listening in, on um, on, on thinking through their own leadership during a time of crisis or putting together a plan, um, would there be something you would like to share with them? Um, um, some other some other thoughts you might have around um, encouragement or um, wisdom or lessons learned. Is there something you'd like to share to um, to other executive directors out there and leaders? The one thing that comes to the top of my mind is um, model the way. I know we say it all the time, but you've got to put it in your actions. Um, the first meeting we had, at the, the first management team meeting we had at the 1st of March, I went into the conference room and separated all the tables. At that time, I would stay three feet apart. So I separated all the tables to where just one person could be at a six foot table by themselves. And yeah, it made the room spread out a little bit. We were a little bit further away from each other, but we were still able to have the meeting and, and, a, and 
have that distance between us. And I, in that meeting, I told all of my management team, I said, it's up to you to model the way for your staff. You've got to tell them they've got to stay, you know, they've got a distance. You've got to tell them they've got, you've got to do it yourself so that they're doing it. And so that's probably the biggest thing as a leader is to model the way for your team. I love that. Thank you. I've actually written that down. Thank you. That's right. And you're right. That, that leadership as modeling, modeling the leadership behaviors that you want other people to emulate is such an important skill. And, and, and at a time like this, being intentional about that Mm -hmm. um, and being specific about that um, is, is, is really good. And that's, and, and and I appreciate the thoughtfulness around that and naming that specifically. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. And that's a great place to end on. I mean, this has been a wonderful and marvelous conversation, Susan. I know I've, I've learned a ton from you and, um, and and you've given me a lot to think about today. So I know the people who are listening in on this and those that'll be listening into the recording later um, will also have a lot to think about as we think, as we all learn our way through um, what's ahead of us. And, and so this, this conversation was so timely, Susan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoy sharing and I'm not one to hold things close. I'll share whatever I can. And if anybody has any other questions, you're welcome to reach out to me. Thank you. Thank you. And Susan does have some some of her uh, materials available. So um, we'll uh, see if we can maybe uh, get that out or maybe put that with her. I'm not really sure what that's going to look like tech-wise, tech but we'll see what we can do um, to make that available. And I know if people reached out to you, Susan, you'd be even, you know, oh, yeah. they would, you'd be forthcoming and, and help answer questions. So for sure. Um, let me shamelessly offer Susan as a resource for you. <laughs> I, 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 my door is open for anybody that has a question or has a need. I'll, I'll be do whatever I can. Thank I you so much. Everything. Thank you for your willingness. All right, everybody. Have a good day and stay safe out there. Thanks, everyone.